Hi, this is Chris Finch. I'm lead pastor of City Walk Church. I want to thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you don't already know, the best way to stay connected with City Walk Church is with our app. Just go to your device's app store and search City Walk Church to find it. Whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus or you're just investigating faith, our hope is that this message will help you take your next step in that journey. If you're in the area, we would love to have you come join us in person. For more information or to plan your visit, check us out at citywalkchurch.com or on social media at WeAreCityWalkCA. Morning. Morning, those of you that are watching online. We are glad that you're here with us as well. And uh, as Matt said, we're going to dive back into our series in the book of Ruth. But before we do, I wanted to... uh, encourage you, if you're new to CityWalk, once a month we do a thing after the service called Intro to CityWalk, because we're super creative like that, so we just call it what it really is, Uh, Intro to CityWalk, and it's about uh, a 30 to 45 minute time where, man, we share a little bit of the history of our church, we uh, tell you a little bit of kind of why we do what we do, give you a chance to ask questions, give you a chance to learn how to get connected, And uh, that takes place about 15 minutes after the service in the fellowship hall. And uh, we'll have a few snacks there. And it's just a a great opportunity. Like I said, we do it about once a month uh, for you to take maybe that first step to get connected or learn a little bit more uh, about our church. One of the things that uh, we are really thankful for uh, at CityWalk is we're super thankful for, from the beginning of our church, uh, we started an internship program. And uh, our interns, Noah, one of the guys up here leading worship, he is uh, in a two-year internship with us. Uh, We had a a girl named Zion that was with us this summer. We have some people now even praying about joining our internship program. And when we designed this internship program, we designed it to be something where, man, people aren't just here to do the stuff that nobody else wants to do. But we wanted the people that were interns to, during the time they were with us, to really grow, to develop. And so we're very strategic. So we spend time with them, talking to them about how to, how to speak in public. We help them with their leadership. We help them learn how to put on events. Uh, we, we try to help develop them in a lot of different areas, including spiritually, but also in some really practical areas. So every one of our interns... That are our long-term interns, we provide for them a one-year subscription to a thing called Ramsey Plus. Uh, And what Ramsey Plus is, it's a kind of budgeting software. It also has some videos and some things that kind of helps people. It's something Lori and I use ourselves. But we wanted to, for our interns, we wanted to provide them that because here's what we know. The decisions that they begin to make in their 20s, even though they don't make a ton of money as an intern, we know that, man, if they can learn in their 20s how to budget, how to save, how to give, how to use their money wisely, then then we know that that's going to be a game changer for them in the future. See, the older that you get, and you know this if you're, you're maybe a few years past your 20s, Here's one of the things that we know. We know whether it's finances, whether it's some other area of our life, that the small, seemingly maybe inconsequential at the time, the small decisions, the small paths that we begin to take in our 20s have a huge effect on our life as we get older. And as you get older, you can look back and see that. When you're young, you, you, don't, you think, oh, this isn't that big of a deal, and it's, oh, I'll figure it out later in life. But, but as you get a little bit older, I'm in my mid-40s now, I look back and think, hey, some of the things that I didn't think were a big deal, some of the things that, man, I thought, oh, I'll figure that out later in life, some of those things, man, they have made a huge impact for either good or bad farther down in, in my life. And unfortunately, and you know this, and maybe you'd say, yeah, Chris, this was me. And I would say this was me in some areas of my life. Unfortunately, many people are kind of short-sighted and they downplay the importance of the wise, ordinary decisions that, that, again, seem really small at the time. 
And, and, and as a young person, you, you kind of look at those things and you just kind of downplay them as not really important because they're, they're just ordinary decisions. They're things that, oh, I'll figure it out later. They're small. They don't seem to have a lot of consequence. But we know they do. And over the past few weeks, we've been leaning into a story in the book of Ruth. And the book of Ruth is a story about ordinary people. There's no big battles in the book of Ruth. There's no huge miracles that you read about in the book of Ruth. It's not one of those books of the Bible where you, you know, like, like David killed Goliath, you know, parting of the Red Sea. If you grew up in church, you know some of those kind of big stories in the Old Testament. What the book of Ruth is, it's a, a book about a few characters, not even a lot of people. And it's about how they made probably what seemed to be to them just ordinary decisions, small decisions, even inconsequential to them at the time, and how God used those small decisions, those boring decisions, those things that weren't that big of a deal. It just seemed like the next right thing to do to, man, make a huge impact. And one of the lessons that we learn in the book of Ruth is this, and one of the lessons we've kind of been looking at is our ordinary decisions are what God uses to do extraordinary work. And for some of you, you could tell stories about your own life, about how things that you thought weren't a big deal or something that you decided to do that didn't seem very consequential at the time. You look back now and you see how God used something very ordinary to do the extraordinary. The book of Ruth is, is, was written by a guy by the name of Samuel. He wrote it towards the end of the 11th century. And the book of Ruth, and we've talked a little bit about this, it takes place in a time period in the Old Testament called the time of the Judges. And the time of the judges was between when Joshua and Moses and kind of leaving Egypt where they were enslaved and God provided a land for Israel that he gave them. And then a few hundred years later, this guy by the name of King David, King Saul, King Solomon come along. Well, in between those is the time of the judges. And it's a time period where the scripture says everybody kind of did whatever they felt like doing. Like everybody just kind of did what was right in their own eyes during this time of the judges. And in the midst of this time of the judges, we were introduced to this lady by the name of Naomi, her daughter-in-law Ruth, who both lost their husbands. And so the first chapter of the book of Ruth is, man, both their husbands die, and man, life isn't good. It's not going the way they probably had it planned, and maybe you can relate with that, where, man, you, you had a plan for your life, and it, it almost seemed like kind of God let you down. Well, Naomi and Ruth kind of find themselves in this place in chapter one where, man, life is not going the way they thought it was supposed to go. Naomi's an older lady, and now her husband is gone. Her sons have died, and now she and her daughter-in-law, Ruth, move back home to Bethlehem. They're there in Bethlehem kind of trying to survive. And Ruth, we looked at this last week, she kind of just wants to be helpful. And so she says, hey, I'm going to go try to find some food, and I'll try to go work in one of the fields. And See if I can gather some food. And so that's what she does. And she ends up in a field owned by a man named Boaz. And Boaz is a distant relevant, or relevant, a relative of Naomi. And so Boaz is somebody that Naomi knew about. He was a wealthy, influential man. And so Ruth goes to his field. She doesn't know who Boaz is, but God in his sovereignty directs Ruth to this field. Boaz shows her tremendous favor, provides for her, protects her. And we pick up the story in Ruth chapter 3, and we pick up in the Hallmark movie chapter of the book of Ruth. If you like a good love story, this is kind of a weird love story, but it's a love story. And, and in this 
chapter 3, what you're going to see is you're going to see how, again, just ordinary, not sure how this is all going to play out, just kind of doing the next right thing, how God uses those small decisions, those small steps of faith to do some pretty cool stuff. So look with me if you have your Bible, or it'll be up on the screen, or you can follow along in our app. Ruth chapter 3, look at verse 1. It says this, Ruth's mother-in-law, Naomi, said to her, my daughter, shouldn't I find rest for you so that you will be taken care of? So Naomi is Ruth's mother-in-law, and and she kind of feels responsible for Ruth. And so she says, I want to find rest for you. And here's what she was meaning. She wants to find Ruth a husband. She wants to find Ruth a husband who will help take care of her where she can have children and and where her life will be stable. And and Naomi's in a spot in her life where she, man, feels responsible and and really wants to help Ruth kind of get established. She wants to help her. And so Naomi does what a lot of good moms do. She asks a question that she already knows the answer to. Ask a couple questions. And, and she wants to pull some things out of Ruth. And so she asks this question. Now, isn't Boaz our relative? You know that guy you've been kind of working in this field? He's been real nice to us. Isn't, isn't he on our family tree somewhere? Well, she already knew the answer to that. Haven't you been working with his female servants? So, so in, in this guy, he's one of our relatives. And that's where you've been going every day, right? Y'all been kind of hanging out. You've been working in his field, working with his other servants, kind of part of his team. Is that... And of course, yes, she already knew the answer to that. And so here's the next thing she says. She says, this evening, he will, by the way, Ruth, he will be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. Like, what in the world does that mean? Well, towards the end of the harvest, what they had to do is they had to separate the good grain from the, the chaff, the things that had been harvested that weren't worth anything. And so there was a process called winnowing where they would separate it, where they would gather the good grain and the chaff would kind of blow away. And so that was part of what, being the owner of the field, that, that, that Boaz was going to be part of. And whether he was the guy that did it all or if it was just happened to be, be his night, he was going to be there uh, winnowing grain and, and harvesting it. And so here's what uh, Naomi says. She says, hey, Ruth, why don't you wash? Why don't you put on some perfumed oil and wear your best clothes? Go down to the threshing floor, but don't let the man know you are there until he has finished eating and drinking. So to this point, Ruth, who is a widow, she probably dressed in a way that made clear that she was a widow and wasn't interested in a relationship. And so what Naomi says is, hey, girl, it's, it's time to take a shower. It's time to get cleaned up. Let, let's pull the uh, whatever favorite perfume. Let's go ahead and pull that out of the box. So it's been packed away. Let's go ahead and pull that out. And, you know, that outfit that you haven't worn for a couple years, I think you'll still fit in it. And so let, let's get that. Let's clean some things up and, and, and put some let's smell good. And, and I've, I've got a little plan. And so she, she kind of walks through what, here in the next few minutes, kind of what she wants her to do. And here's why this was so important. So Boaz was most likely at least a decade, maybe more older than Ruth. And so it would not have been appropriate for Boaz to approach Ruth, to initiate uh, a relationship, initiate marriage. And so what Naomi is doing is she's kind of setting the stage for Ruth to make really clear to Boaz that she's available and that she's interested. And so that's what Naomi does. She's like, hey, let's get cleaned up. Let's put on some nice clothes. And then I'm going to walk you through what you need to say and kind of how you need to do it. And we all get this because we've all done this for our friends. You've probably, you guys know this, maybe you were the person, but if you've ever tried to help your friend get a date you know what Naomi was doing. Sometimes it's a team effort. And so, you, you know, you kind of have to, hey, that, I think he likes you. You, you might want to like act like you like him too. And so, or, or I remember when I was in college, uh, about, about halfway through my first semester, I noticed this girl. 
her name, and she's my wife now, so I'm not telling you like a story about, you know, like, oh, wow, Chris, does your wife know about this? The end of the story is we're married. We have three kids. We've been married for 25 years, uh, and it's all good. But, but at that point, I didn't know who this girl was. And of course, because again, it's a team effort. I started to send out some informants to find out information about this girl. Found out she's from California. Uh, I found out her name was Lori Gledhill. And I already knew she was beautiful. I'd seen her on campus. And so a friend of mine, he, we went to Walmart. And this was before cell phones or any of that stuff. And, and we did have indoor plumbing back then, but just barely by a few years. But, but we went to Walmart and we bought walkie-talkies. And uh, because we were poor college students, we bought cheap walkie-talkies, but they were good enough. And so he would wear one, I would wear one, and he would literally like, hey, you might want to come get your mail right now, because you just might want to do that. Or, hey, I feel like you want some dessert. Don't you maybe want to go up to the dessert table? And, and he would help me, because again, it was a team effort. I remember uh, I found out uh, er, over the Christmas break that, again, Lori and I, I was just noticing her. She could care less about me at that point. I knew that she was on a singing team that was going to be coming to Florida where I lived and was actually going to be singing at my church. So I worked it out with my best friend where I had already promised that we would house some people on that team. Well, I'd already made a commitment to somebody else, but I had my best friend, hey, make sure your mom houses these two girls. And then after the program was over and none of this was planned out in advance, my friend came up and said, hey, what are you guys doing tonight? I don't know. What are you guys doing tonight? Wow, isn't that weird? Neither of us are doing anything. You've got two girls at your house. You've got two. Y'all want to like back then blockbuster videos? Remember that? Some of you are like, I don't have a clue. Went and actually rented a video. Yeah, let's go do that. And I remember like that was, again, team effort. And you, you know what, how that is. Maybe you needed some help. Maybe, there's, maybe you're single. You're like, I'll take all the help I can get right now. And, but a team effort. And this is Naomi. She's like, Ruth, girl, it's time. Let's, let's get things rolling. Let me help you out. And so she gets Ruth cleaned up. And then she kind of gives Ruth a little bit of a strategy because Ruth is from a different country. She doesn't know the traditions or what's appropriate, what's not appropriate. And so here's what Naomi says. He, she says, all right, when he lies down after he's eaten and he's, you know, he's lying down, he's worked, notice the place where he's lying. Go in and uncover his feet and lie down. You're like, what? So that's what's been missing? Like, I could have had a date if I would have just uncovered somebody's feet? What? And she kind of, she tells her this, and I don't know if Ruth's ever even heard of this, because again, she's from a different area. She says, then he will explain to you what you should do. And this, honestly, it seemed, in this day and age, it's a little bit, this is, it seems like, oh, cover, uncover the feet, not that big of a crazy deal. That's like, PG, that's not crazy. But this it seems kind of provocative. And in this day and age, it could have been taken that way out of context of this story. Out of the context of this story and out of the context of who Ruth was and who Boaz was and the character that they have, that we learn about them throughout this story. Like this could have been taken kind of provocatively. But because we, we know more about the story and we know a little bit more about their character, we, we see that this was just a way for Ruth to make clear to Boaz that she was interested in marriage and interested in like them being family. And, and so she, it says this in, in verse 5, so Ruth said to her, I'll do everything you say. I'm, All right, I will run the play just like you said. So she went down to the threshing floor and did everything her mother-in-law had charged her to do. After Boaz ate, drank, and was in good spirits, he went to lie down at the end of a pile of barley. So most likely he's there, he's staying overnight kind of to guard things. So he's laying there next to his kind of harvest. And she came secretly and uncovered his feet and lay down. It says this in verse 8. At midnight, Boaz was startled, turned over, and there lying at his feet was a woman. 
I mean, waking up to a random person asleep with you that isn't your family, that wasn't there when you went to sleep, could be a little startling and and probably is not a good thing usually. And so Boaz wakes up and he's like, what, who's this? I mean, it's not like it's right outside. He probably has to turn on a lantern or like something to to see what's going on here. And, And so he asked, who are you? And again, he knew who Ruth was, but it may have been dark. He's not sure. He's kind of, you know, you wake up kind of drowsy. Like yesterday, we, we, we had uh, an all-night event in uh, San Jose with our teenagers. And I didn't stay up all night, but I got home about, went to bed about three. And I woke up because I had to go to a meeting yesterday morning, and I didn't know there was an eclipse. So I get up, and I'm thinking, I must be really groggy today because... What is going on out here? It's like kind of like the lights are weird. And I was thinking, wow, I'm, I'm tireder than I thought I was. And then I realized it was an eclipse. And, and this is Boaz. Like he's probably waking up like kind of groggy, moving the sleep out of his eyes. And he's like, who, who, who is this? Who's this person? And Ruth, she seems like a girl that just kind of gets right to the point because she's not like, hey, I'm sorry for scaring you. I just thought I would. Like she just gets to the point. Here's what Ruth says. Hey, I am Ruth, your servant, she replied. Take me under your wing, for you are a family redeemer. Basically, she says, hey, marry me. What was your name again, ma'am? Because he's still waking up. But in this day and age, and and for us, this whole process would be really like, you'd probably go to jail if you did this. But back then, here's what was happening. So in this time period, there was two things that were really, really important in this culture. There was a few things, but, but two specifically. One was family land. And so family land was really, really important. And so what, when Ruth asked Boaz, hey, would you be my family redeemer? What a family redeemer would do is they would marry a widow and two purposes. One would be that they would buy back the family property that had changed hands because it was really important in this day and age that property stay within your family. And so a family redeemer is, and this is what Ruth is saying, hey, would you marry me? And part of the purpose of you marrying me is to keep our family's land in our family. But the second thing that was really important in this day and age was it was really important to have a family heir. And because Ruth had lost her husband before they had had a son, what a family redeemer would do is he would marry a childless widow to raise up children in her dead husband's name so that his name, he would have an heir and his name would continue. So again, this is like middle of the night. Boaz is just waking up and she says, hey, will you... Be our family redeemer. Will you take me as your wife? Will you buy back our family's land? Will you have children with me so that my husband has an heir and the name keeps going on? So this is kind of a big thing to ask at any point, but in the middle of the night, you can see how Boaz is probably like, whoa, 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 whoa. He's still waking up. But, but, but notice, and maybe he had been thinking about this already. Maybe he had noticed Ruth before, he kind of knew the story, and so maybe he had thought about it but hadn't approached her because he was older than her, because he says in verse 10, he says, then he said, may the Lord bless you, my daughter. You have shown more kindness now than before because you have not pursued younger men, whether rich or poor. And so immediately what Boaz does is he, man, he compliments her. Because instead of Ruth pursuing marriage with somebody younger, Ruth looked for a marriage that would benefit Naomi and would also continue to benefit even her late husband. So she was making a very unselfish decision. And here's what's very interesting about Ruth. In the Hebrew Bible, the book of Ruth comes right after the book of Proverbs. And the last chapter in the book of Proverbs is about a woman with a noble character. In fact, Proverbs 31 verse 10 says this, Who can find a wife of noble character? She is far more precious 
than jewels. And in the Hebrew Bible, it ends in Proverbs 31, and then the very next thing in that Hebrew Bible is the story of Ruth, a woman of noble character. And Boaz, kind of from a distance, he, he knows this about Ruth. He's, he's watched her. He knows the story of how she is sacrificed. She left her land in Moab to stay with her mother-in-law, and she has helped provide and care for and, and be there for her mother-in-law. And so he, he goes on, and he kind of responds to her request. It says this in verse 11. He says, don't be afraid, my daughter. I will do for you whatever you say. Since all the people in my town know that you are a woman of noble character. Yes, it is true that I am a family redeemer, but there is a redeemer closer than I am. So he says to her, yeah, Ruth, I, of, of course, I would be glad to, to do this. Yes, I am a, a distant relative, so I'm kind of in place to do this. But there's actually another person, you actually have another relative who is in line before me, basically. And so Ruth may not have known this, uh, but so he says, hey, there's somebody closer than I am. And so here's what Boaz, he says, stay here tonight. This wasn't a sexual comment, but probably more for Ruth's safety. And in the morning, if he wants to redeem you, that's good. Let him redeem you. But if he doesn't want to redeem you, as the Lord lives, I will. Now lie down until morning. Verse 14, so she lay down at, at his feet until morning, but got up while it was dark. Then Boaz said, probably to his workers, don't let it be known that a woman came to the threshing floor. And so probably, and this kind of shows you some of Boaz's character, he really wanted to protect Ruth's reputation. So he even told his workers, hey guys, Let's just keep it to ourselves that, that Ruth was here. Let's not, because if, if it would have been known, it, people would have taken it wrong and it could have hurt her character. And she was known for character in their area. She was known as a hard worker. She was known as taking care of her mother-in-law. And so Boaz, as a way to kind of protect her reputation, says, hey, let's just kind of keep it to ourselves that Ruth was here tonight. Then verse 15, he says, and he, he told Ruth, bring the shawl you're, you're wearing and hold it out. When she held it out, he shoveled, and you know it's a lot when you have to use a shovel, six measures of barley into her shawl, and she went into the town. So basically, he sent her home with just a ton of barley because he just wanted to be a blessing to her and to her mother-in-law, Naomi. So she went to her mother-in-law, Naomi, who, of course probably been up waiting for, like, how's it going? Do we need to book the wedding chapel? Let's go. And so she wants to find out, hey, what happened, my daughter? How'd it go? So Ruth said, told her everything that man had done for her. She said, he, he gave me these six measures of barley because he said, don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Some commentators say that this was between, and this would have been hard for her even to carry. She had to probably have something to, to help her with this, 60 to 80 pounds of barley. So man, he, when he, this wasn't like a little jar like he gave her a ton of barley to take home to her mother-in-law to, to be a blessing. And so verse 18 says this, Naomi said, my daughter, wait until you find out how things go, for he won't rest until he resolves this today. So Naomi knew that Boaz was a man of integrity she knew, she was very confident that he would follow through and do exactly what he had said. And so Naomi and Ruth are in a place where they have done everything they knew to do. And now they were just trusting God with the rest of it. See, the, the place that Naomi and Ruth were in, obviously it, it requires patience because they're not in control of what happens. But it's a really good place to be in. And, and here's what I mean. They can put their head on the pillow every night and they can sleep peacefully because they know they have done what they were called to do. They've done what, what they felt they were supposed to do. They've taken the steps they were supposed to take. And, and, and for them, they, they know that, hey, we can rest because now it's up to God. God's going to do whatever God's going to do and we can just sit back and wait. 
See, the only reason that we even know Ruth and Naomi's names is because God took their ordinary steps, their ordinary steps of faith, their ordinary just, hey, I'm going to go work in this field and do this. God took their ordinary steps and, and did something bigger than they ever expected. I promise you that Ruth had no clue what God was up to when she got up and decided to go work in Boaz's field. She, she didn't know as she was getting ready and putting perfume on and just kind of doing what her mother-in-law said. She didn't know that God was going to use that down the line to literally bring salvation to the world. She, she just thought she was doing what she was supposed to do and what was the responsible thing to do. She had no clue how God was going to use her ordinary, normal, next right thing decisions to literally impact the world. And we are still feeling that impact today because Ruth is in the line of Jesus. She's in the line of King David. She, she had no clue what was ahead of her. Yet God used her ordinary decisions to do extraordinary work. And, and here's the thing. He wants to do the same thing in our lives. He, he wants to, to take what we would probably think is ordinary, he calls it faithful, and do things that we're not expecting but what we just have to get to a place where we're okay doing the ordinary well and let God use it to do the extraordinary. And you, you might be like, oh, you know what, Chris, that sounds great. You, maybe you're watching online. That, that sounds great. But how do I do that? Like, how do I discern what God wants me to do? I, I have dreams for my life. I have things that I feel like are, are on my heart and in my mind. How do I balance those dreams with the daily grind of just being faithful and just doing the next right thing? How do I do that? Let, let, me, give you, let me give you a few practical steps that I think will help us do well what we see in the story of Ruth. It'll help us know kind of, hey, God, what direction should I go? And God, what do I do with the things you're laying on my heart? And, and, and I want to be faithful with today. But God, I also know that you've, you've given me dreams and some things that I think you want me to do in the future. How do I kind of walk through those? Let me give you three practical steps. The first one is this. Pray from a place of dependence. And here's what I, what I mean. When we pray, sometimes we pray as if God's our genie in the sky, and we rub the lamp, and we ask for him to fulfill our wishes. And then when he doesn't fulfill our wishes the way we wanted him to, it's, well, something's wrong. It's not working. He's not a good God. And, and you know, we get confused. What I think is so important for us to do is that we would start with, hey, let me, God, I'm going to come to you from a place of dependence. I'm going to pray not just with words of dependence, but with a posture that relies on you, depends on you for everything. And when I pray from a, a place of dependence, here's what I'm telling God. God, I need you. God, I trust you. God, I'm going to obey you because your way is best. I'm depending, I'm relying, God, that, and trusting that your way is best. And so when I come to you, it's, it's not asking for you to fulfill all my wishes. It's me saying, God, I love you. I trust you. I want to line my life up with your plan, with your will. I want to obey you. And it starts when we pray from a, from a place, from a posture, from words of dependence. And for some of us, this is, this, we, we could end it right here. Because this is something that, man, for you, your life, you feel like, you feel like you're in a ship and it's like back and forth. And it's like, well, I kind of want to do it God's way, but then nah, I'm kind of going to do it the other, you know, another way. And I'm going to eh, kind of do that. Well, that's not as convenient to do it God's way, so I'm going to go... And I'm going to depend on God when it gets really critical and when things get really tough. But you know what? Most of life, God, I can probably handle about 47% of it if you could take care of the other, like the big stuff. 
And God's saying, no, 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 no. As much as you needed me to have a relationship with you for your eternity, you actually need me that much every single day to be faithful. And so coming to God from a place of dependence is a, man, a great first step. But the second thing is this, plan with expectancy. Expect God to work. You're not demanding that God works, but God answers prayer. He, he doesn't always answer it the way we think, and he doesn't always answer it the way maybe we would have answered it, but he, he answers prayer. God is at work, and so as God is laying things in your heart, if you're praying from a place of dependence where you are lining your life up with God, you can say, you know what? I feel like God has laid this on my heart. I feel like God is moving me in a direction. I'm trying to do things his way. And so you can plan with expectancy, knowing that God is active and at work in your life. But, but here's the thing. We, we don't wait for God to work to get ready. And so part of planning with expectancy is preparing yourself spiritually financially, even, even just growing in different areas of your life as you're praying from a place of dependence and you're planning, you're also preparing so that when God moves, when that door opens, you're ready. Sometimes we're like, well, when, you know, when God opens the door and when things are good, like, well, uh, I'll get things ready then. And, and maybe, just maybe, and I'm not God, my wife would say, for sure you're not, but, but maybe God's saying, you know what? Well, if you're not willing to get ready, then I'm not, why would I go and move and answer and get, you know? And so we, we pray from a place of, I am relying a hundred percent on you, but, but we also plan and we prepare knowing that our God answers prayer. And then the last thing, we walk forward in humility. And you see this play out in the story of Ruth. We move towards open doors with a humble heart. This allows us to hear from God. If we have humility as we're moving towards open doors, it allows us to hear better from God. If we have a lot of pride and we make it a lot about us, it's really hard to hear the, the voice of God. But when we are praying from a place of dependence, when we're planning kind of with expectancy, and we, we, man, we feel like God's going to do something. We're not sure what it is, but we're, 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 we're planning for it. We're preparing ourselves. And now, man, we start to see a door open, and, and, and we know God can close that door at any time, but we're going to walk towards it with humility. That's going to allow us to hear from God. That's also going to allow us to be okay if God shuts the door and redirects us. This is something that as a church, if you're, you're new here, you, you may not have known this, but as a church, this is kind of what we're in the middle of. So we're in a place where in February, we're going to start another church in another location in Edgewater. But about six or eight months ago, we get this call, or I don't even remember exactly how it started. But we find out there's a church in Willows that shut down. So there's a building sitting there in the middle of this small town. And some people approached us and said, hey, if you would start a church there, you can have the building. So for us, we're, you know, it's about an hour away. And you all know we're about four and a half, almost five years old. And last time I checked, none of the trees in our yard here is a money tree. And so I was like, you know what? I don't, I don't know that we're ready for it. Like, we're still trying to get our stuff together here, still trying to find a permanent location in Yuba City. But, but we thought, you know what? Let's walk through this process. Let, let's pray from a place of, of absolute dependence. God, if you want us to do this, we are relying on you. We need you. We trust you. We want to line ourselves up with you. We don't want to get ahead of you, God. This is your idea if it, if it works out. So we want to pray from a place and a posture of dependence. But as we're praying and God continues to kind of put out some breadcrumbs on a trail, we said, you know what? Let's, let's plan with expectancy. Let's 
prepare, if God were to open this door, that we would be ready. And so we said, you know what? Well, let's, we're going to do a couple pumpkin parties in Yuba City and Edgewater. Why don't we go do one in Willows? Just be a blessing to the community. And that's why yesterday we had about 200 people from the city of Willows in a parking lot, and we were having a great time together. That's why yesterday, and this is a powerful story, at least in my heart, I saw God work in such a unique way yesterday. So just a few months ago, I mean, we're, and we're sitting out there, and this, and this all takes place in the parking lot of Willows as we're putting on this pumpkin party. I see off to the side, I see a guy by the name of Ian praying with somebody. Ian is a guy that we met as a church because he was a homeless man, and he was a single father, and he was part of the rest program, and this church housed people for a week last winter, and our small groups helped feed them. And so I remember meeting Ian in that fellowship hall as we were ministering to them, and he and his daughter were homeless. And I remember meeting him, and he started to come to our church. We tried to help him kind of get on his feet, which God has opened incredible doors. He's on his feet doing really good. And so he came to help us in this parking lot, just minister to the, the community of Willows. And so he's praying with this girl named Claudia, and he brings her over to me and says, hey, she wants to meet you, da, da, da. So I, I start talking to Claudia. I start hearing her story. Just a just tough story. I don't have time to walk you through it. But man, she's literally like, you know when you talk to somebody and like every word they say, they're like on the verge of just breaking down. And so like the lips quiver. Just, something's going on here. So I began to talk to her. I began to talk to her a little bit about Jesus. And then I just look at her and I said, Claudia, do you know that you have a relationship with God? Like, and she's like, uh. I'm like, well, would you, would you want to have a relationship with God? Would you want to like, just know for sure? She looks, looks me square in the eyes, yes. And I'm like, oh, okay. And so I walk her through the gospel, and, I'm, and I explain it a couple times. I'm like, you understand this? You, share what, you know what you're, I want to make sure you know what you're doing here. She, and she just looks square in the eye, yes, 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 I want that. And so I literally, right there at the table, we prayed, and she accepted Christ as her Savior. And it was awesome to watch over that next few like minutes, just to see the countenance on Claudia and the people she came with totally change. And here's what the beautiful thing is. Because you, as a bunch of small group leaders, said, you know what, we'll, we'll, we'll do the next right thing and man, feed these people that are staying at our church. We'll provide a meal. We'll make a lasagna. We'll make some garlic bread. We'll make some salad. None of us knew what was happening. We were just trying to, man, we just felt led to, to feed some people that needed a meal. And Ian comes up to me at the end of this as we're kind of closing down the event. And he says, Chris, do you realize what just happened? Do you see the, the path? How, how you guys just, your church just helped us and you didn't know what was going on. And, and now I introduce you to this other girl who now will be in heaven because she just trusted Jesus as her, as her Savior. And it was just a powerful example of this, this, this idea of, hey, we're going to pray from a posture of dependence. We're going to plan together with expectancy, and we're going to walk towards doors with humility and just say, God, whatever you want to do, yes, we say yes. If you want to close the door, close the door. If, if the only thing we were supposed to do is see Claudia come to Jesus and we never enter that city again, to God be the glory. It's up to, it's all his. And this is a, a tremendous example for our church. But man, if you're a follower of Jesus, Ephesians tells us that God has specific good works for you to do with your life. And so instead of feeling like you're on the JV team because everybody else's life looks so fabulous and big on social media... What if we just were a group of people that said, you know what? God, how do, I, how do I bring you glory today? What small thing that no one will ever hear about do you want me to do this afternoon? God, what if tomorrow when I get up to go to work, I just go to work with this 
from a posture of dependence and just say, God, I just want to be used by you. Whether anybody ever knows what happens, I just want to do what's right. I want to do the next right thing. I want to represent you well in my city. Man, man, what, what if we followed Ruth's example and we just did the ordinary well? I think if we were willing to just do that, we would put ourselves in a position for God to use us in ways that we probably couldn't dream of. And that's really the story of Ruth. She was just doing what she felt led to do. She was doing what was helpful to her mother-in-law. And all the while, through God's sovereignty, he is putting together a plan that would literally birth Jesus Christ into the world and bring salvation to people like Claudia. And Ruth got to be a part of it because she was just willing to do what was ordinary. What probably in her mind nobody would ever hear about, but would be helpful to her mother-in-law. Let's pray. Whether you're online watching us, maybe you're watching us from Willows. We met a lot of you yesterday and told you about our online service. Maybe you're watching uh, from Willows. Maybe you're watching from another part of the country or you're here with us this morning in person. And we're so just thankful that everyone's here. And as we close out today with every head bowed, every eye closed, wherever you're at, maybe you're here and you would say, Chris, man, I'm a, I'm a follower of Jesus. Do you find yourself putting your head on the pillow at night in a peaceful place? See, one of the enemy's tactics is to confuse us about God's plan for our life. And he wants us to be anxious. And instead of being anxious, what if we could just put our head down at night and just know that, man, we've done the ordinary well. We've done what God has called us to do. And we're going to trust him with the results. We're going to trust him with all the things that he is already in control of. Maybe for you, it's for that to happen. Maybe for you, it's that praying from a place of dependence. It's just maybe in the morning, getting up a little early and just giving your day to God. It's just saying, God, today, I just want to do your way, do your will. I want to trust you that your way's best. God, I need you. Maybe it's that. Maybe it's just, it's just that, that, man, I just need to start praying from a place of dependence. I find myself praying and asking God to fix stuff and move and do stuff and help me, but maybe I just need to start my day from a place of dependence. Maybe for you, it's that idea of planning with expectancy. It's okay, man, I'm praying from a place of dependence, asking God to work, and, and I'm just going to trust that God's working even when I can't see it. And I'm going to just prepare myself. I'm going to try to grow spiritually. I'm going to try to grow as a leader. I'm going to try to grow as a dad or a mom. I just want to maybe get things better together financially so as God opens doors and as he moves that I'm in a position to walk through those doors in a healthy place. Or maybe it's just that you're in a spot where there are some doors and you see some cracks and, and you just, man, need to take a step forward and you need to do that with humility. Knowing that, hey, God, you can close the door anytime you want. We just, but I'm going to walk towards the open door. I'm going to walk towards the relationship at work, the person that needs you, that, that's been hard for me to get to know. But God, you seem to be cracking a door in that relationship, so I'm going to walk towards it. God, I'm going to, I'm going to walk towards better discipling my own children. You've, you've given me some, a burden, obviously, God. I, I just want to do some things better. I want to make that more of a priority. So I'm just going to walk towards it with humility. What is, what's God saying to you? Would you just obey? Just, would you just say yes? Maybe you're here, you're watching online, and, and you don't have a relationship with God. And we here at City Walk, we believe deeply that the best place to start, if you desire to have an impact in your world and in the relationships that God's given you, 
is to start a relationship with the God who created you. Maybe you're here, you're online, you'd say, Chris, how would I do that? Well, it's simple, just between you and God. You can do that right where you're at. You can talk to God from your heart to his. We call that praying. It's when we tell God what's, what's going on in our heart. We just tell him. And so if you're here this morning or you're watching online and you say, yes, today, I, I want to start a relationship with God. Would you just talk to God and tell him that? Just say, God, I, I admit to you I've done things my own way. I've sinned. Just tell him. He already knows. And then just tell him, God, I believe that Jesus died for my sins. He paid for them. And that he rose from the grave. Just tell him. And then just say, God, would you save me? I want a relationship with you. Just tell him. And if you're here this morning and you did that, or maybe you have more questions about that, there's a card right in front of you that just says decision. And if you made a decision to follow Jesus, start a relationship with God today, you can fill that out and drop it in the offering basket. We'll call you this week. Just want to make sure you understand your decision and answer any questions you might have. Maybe you still have questions. You're not like, I, I kind of not sure what I want to do, but I, I need to talk to somebody. Just write that on that card and we'll, we'll, we'll reach out to you. If you're watching online, you can go to citywalk.cc and there's a card there that you can fill out as well. Lord, I thank you for the story of Ruth and how you have taken her story and how you've brought so much to light as we look at her life and we watch her example. Lord, I pray that we would be people that are committed to walking with a posture of dependence and doing what's ordinary very well. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together. And what a great time for us to take a bit in a moment, uh, not just to listen to the message and, and walk out and, and not really think, and what does this mean for, for me today? It's a great moment to do that right now uh, during this song. We're going to sing All Hell King Jesus. I encourage you to sing with us, to worship alongside us. If you have things on your mind, on your heart, you want to pray, you want to come down front, you're welcome to do that. We also have Corinne and Glenn. Welcome to pray with them if you like to. Let's sing together. There was a moment when the lights went out And death has claimed its victory The king of love has given up his life darkest day in history They're on a cross and made for sinners For every curse is blood atoned Not the end of final finish There you go Not the end we could have known for the earth began to shake And the veil was torn What a sacrifice was made As the heavens rose Oh,
flash of light breaking through When all was lost he crossed the tooted City Walk Church. Thank you guys for joining us this Sunday morning of all the things that you could have been doing. Uh, but before we release you guys to go enjoy football or whatever you're doing, going to In-N-Out, lunch plans, the whole nine, 
Uh, my friend Virgil and I want to invite you guys to get connected in one of two ways in this upcoming week. So the first opportunity that we have is next Sunday, October 22nd. There will be a worship night here in the sanctuary that we want to invite you guys to be part of. And not to just be part of the worship night, what we want to encourage you to do is if you can come and if you can also bring a dessert to share with those that are here, it would be much appreciated. I won't say any names, but there's somebody in this house that makes some amazing Rice Krispie treats. They're amazing. She knows who I'm talking about. I'm going to ask for a request for some Rice Krispie treats, and you're not going to want to miss out on those if we're able to deliver those Rice Krispie treats. But come out to the worship night next week. Bring a dessert if you can. We just want to break bread, worship the Lord together, and have a good night. But Virgil, what else do we have going on? All right, so let me ask you a question. Yes. All right, you've heard of egg drops, right? Egg drops, boom, yes. You've heard of pumpkin chunking, right? Pumpkin chunking, boom. All right, so on November 5th, City Kids is going to combine both of those into a pumpkin bash. Pumpkin bash. Now, I, I won't go through all the details, but just let your imagination run with the idea of pumpkins after the holidays, uh -huh. right? Don't need them no more. Egg drops. Egg drops. And having fun. I might even be out there. But November 5th, the details are going to be on the website, so look for those. Um, but there'll be a lot. There'll be apple cider. There'll be donuts. There'll be games. It's going to be a good time for city kids, so come check that out as well. But thank you guys so much for worshiping with us today. Have a great week. Have a blessed week. We love you guys. Have a good one.